0: Hello and welcome to the Seascapes CoLab podcast series. My name is Susie O'Hara and I'm a curator, educator and practice-based researcher exploring emerging models of cross-sector collaboration between art, innovation and society. I'm currently working in partnership with the Seascapes Town to Tees Shores and Seas Marine Heritage Project, Seascapes for short, which is generously funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and University of Sunderland. For the past three years, I've been curator and lead researcher for Seascapes CoLab, a multi-year creative engagement project that aims to scaffold creative experimentation between artists, researchers, marine heritage specialists and coastal communities living along the northeast coastline. The resulting creative experiences, participatory artworks and interactive exhibitions explore how we can better connect with our world and co-develop sustainable ways to care for our marine environment through art and creativity. Today we're going to deep dive into Be the Sea, a project that invites us to connect to the wildlife and the ocean through sound and deep listening encouraging us to imagine what it might be like to call the space where the oceans meet the land home. Join me as I reflect on the project, along with artist Louise McKenzie, local residents Demandra Mehta and sound recordist and composer David Delahaye. So, I did my PhD here in Sutherland University, and my PhD was really interested in how the arts are engaging with diverse and other sectors, both commercial sectors and other disciplines, through the medium of technology. And so, what my question really is is how can kind of art and curatorial practices, knowledge, and tools foster coexistence and stewardship within our coastal communities? My name is Susie O'Hara and I am a lecturer in Digital Arts, and enterprise here in the Faculty of Arts and Creative Industries and I've been leading on a research project called Seascapes CoLab for about the last year, which is a creative engagement project that's part of Seascapes, Time to Tea Shores and Seas, which is funded by the National Lottery Players and the National Lottery Heritage Fund. It's led by Durham County Council and it's a consortium project with about 20 different partnerships, organisations, local authorities that run from the River Tyne to the River Tees. So you've got the four local authority areas in there, you've got Sunderland University as well as Newcastle and Durham involved, you've got the National Trust, you've got the Durham Wildlife Trust, which obviously is collaborating with the B the Sea team on this particular project. And you've got a whole raft of different public-private partnerships as well, so Northumbria Water, the Durham Heritage Coast, a whole range of different kind of perspectives and interests in how we can better manage our seascapes within that footprint, but also how we can reveal our hidden heritage and foster new ways to connect people living along the coastline in our coastal communities with their marine environment and through interesting ways of engaging with their marine heritage that they may or they may not know about and so be the sea very much comes from from that space
1: I'm Louise McKenzie and I'm an artist and I work most often in sound and in visual arts in in various ways, but more recently I've been really interested in themes around deep listening and how how I can use, basically how I can use sound in my practice as a way to to move away from more physical making and think more environmentally about how I interact in the environment. So that's been of interest to me. my role in Be the C is that I'm the artist in residence on the project, so I have been essentially working with Hayley, who is a composer, and Dee from Durham Wildlife Trust to shape the concept around this idea of creating a set of instructions for listening or rather instructions for non-human listening because our, our focus has been to think about ways in which we can be more capable of living with the life on the coast not just coming along to the coast and existing in the same space as the life on the coast so trying to just think about ways in which we might attune ourselves to the non-human life at the coast through sound in different ways. we came up with as a group three different approaches to how we would foreground listening in the project and the first we called attunement which is essentially using field recording as a means to listen to things that we might not normally hear so putting hydrophones into rock pools or over the end of Roker pier or just holding a recorder up in the air as high as you can to try and imagine what it might be like if this was some form of flying creature that was doing the listening rather than yourself, perhaps. So trying to to put recording equipment in spaces where other beings exist and, and trying to imagine how they might hear the world around them. So that was attunement. And secondly, resonance, which was about much more specifically about deep listening activities and other kinds of activities based around the work of largely sound artists like Pauline Oliveros and also Stephanie Loveless, people who work with sound as a way to think about the environment around them in new ways and think about how sound Acts in the environment as well so the thing that we've been trying to do in this specifically is what I was really keen to do is introduce an idea of imaginative listening where we're specifically trying to put ourselves in the place of another species which is obviously almost impossible to do but it's fun to try and do and then it helps you maybe to think about the life of that other species in a new way. So that's where we've also been using our imaginations to come up with instructions and ways in which we can think about how to listen. So an instruction for listening might be something like take a a walk and pay attention to the sounds around you. Think about how they change as you move through the space, for example which is one of the first instructions we have in our instructions for listening list. So it's just ways to basically take stock and spend time in a space in a more meditative way and allow people the time to concentrate on a space through sound. The third aspect in terms of the sort of methods that we've been using, we described as resilience, which is a way to kind of basically create a legacy for the project through allowing the participants who've been working with us to engage in what we've been describing as sound collage activities. So that's audio editing, but also visual collaging activities and sound score drawing, where we're allowing people to literally create these instructions for listening.
2: I've not long been up here and I, I actually just uh, ho- heard about this, this project, which is based on the sound and seascape project. And what was interesting is that, you know, when we, we started the first day, it was all about a tuning in and what is the background noise that you are hearing and, and what sounds you should sort of look out for and put your attention towards it. You know, the birds and so, and so, rather than the traffic noise and stuff, though they do sort of come together. I'm Dharmendra Mehta. I was a board member for Popular Harker Housing Association, which is in East London. I was also a chair for the placemaking committee. When you use these hydrophones, they go into the water and you start hearing these amazing bubbles and cracks. I mean, you would never know that an, an anomaly, I think that's what they call would make a, a, such a crazy sound. It was Pretty amazing. But the other thing was so when we were in the marina, the hydrophone is maybe two meters down, and you could actually hear the people walking by and clearly their voices, so you suddenly realized how far your sound actually goes and then of course you were hearing boat sounds and the jingling i don't know if you ever passed the the marina there's always this ding ting, you know as the sails hit themselves so i really wanted to capture this sound but as murphy's law every time you hear that sound <laughs> yeah we went towards it and it would stop making that sound but i think eventually what one of us sort of caught that sound so you can kind of hear it
0: When I pulled together the Sea Air project this time last year, I was really inspired and influenced by some theories of more than human. And I've been I'd been reading some really wonderful books by Donna Haraway and David Abrams, who really kind of try to argue for a more than human perspective on the world and to kind of think beyond the human exceptionalist perspective and recognize that actually we live in an ecosystem and, you know, there's lots of different what they call actors, but beings, so everything from plants and animals, but also inanimate objects like your minerals and your rocks and the soil that we grow our food in. So I was really interested and, I, and the provocation that, that I threw out at these different groupings was around exploring these more than human collaborations within the marine environment. I was really interested in focusing this first wave of projects on the natural marine heritage
2: we went in we met on Roka Beach by the by the lighthouse beautiful sunny day and uh, Louise and Hayley we all sort of started off with the first stage where you attune yourself And I think that was a really good thing. I think once you started to tune yourself, you suddenly realize, actually, I know why I'm here now. And everyone, it wasn't actually to do with what she said. You felt it. You felt it within yourself, what the sounds were. And as you walked away from the main road, you could hear more of the water as you got closer and closer towards the the Roka lighthouse. But you could still hear the traffic in the background. Headphones came on hydrophone, boom, that outside world's disappeared, and now you're hearing it. But then again, you hear that boat, and what is that sound? So suddenly it's a new experience, and you want to find out what it's all about. What is that sound? What's that glug sound? But uh, and then from, from there, we went back into the studio to do the music, so interpret. So we all got clippets of the sounds that we all recorded, and we all chose something it was fantastic I and mean, you heard each I think there was seven eight of us but everyone was different that's the crazy thing about it you you know it's like taste color and whatever everyone has a different but the sound you thought oh people some people were finding rhythms r- good rhythms like a musical rhythm some were just making noise which is what they felt was that's what they were hearing so that was an eye-opening sense of wow, people do seriously interpret things very differently.
1: It's incredible. I mean, the the thing is that actually underwater sound travels much farther than it does on land, and our ears aren't really designed to hear it as well but other what we've started to learn about is how all of these other species listen you know like crabs have sensors on the on their external to their body which they they pick up vibrations with which enables them to then translate that into sound so creatures in in the water hear in totally different ways to the ways that we hear their sort of perception of sound is entirely different and i find that fascinating you know to think that when you put a, a microphone in the water you can hear really clearly compared to how you might hear if you stick your head under the water and when i say put a microphone in the water I mean a specially designed hydrophone, you wouldn't want to stick any microphone under the water. But when you do that you can hear things like the sound of a boat from literally miles away, which was something that we discovered when we dipped a hydrophone in the water off the end of Roker pier. But then also you can hear the sound of oxygen bubbles rising to the the surface of the water and popping or oxygen bubbles forming from the plant life in the water. And then other just amazing things like the sound of the limpet's shell or even its tongue as it moves across a rock. And these are all things that would be really hard for us to pick up with our ears, but with the recording equipment that we're using, it's possible to hear these sounds. And that in itself is absolutely fascinating. And I think one of the things I'm I'm really interested in is how we can encourage people to understand that the world that we hear is so limited and that we're using all of these technologies in order to expand our sense of listening. But then there are all these other amazing creatures in the world that don't need any of that technology and hear in these entirely different ways, which I think is really fascinating. And also from an environmental perspective, it's interesting because we're beginning to understand how damaging our noise pollution is and other effects of our being in their space and in their world is through some of these kind of sound-based activities.
3: My name is David Delahaye and I am a sound recordist and uh, a sound artist and a musician. And I largely record underwater soundscapes and whether that be like, like marine environments or freshwater inland um, spaces as well. I started off recording marine environments, so you know things like just heading down the beach and recorded in rock pools and stuff like that. And then started heading a bit further out to, to more open waters, and did a few trips around the the Hebrides and uh, yeah streaming stuff from from other locations. But then more recently, I suppose since lockdown, just started to look more to, to inland spaces. So currently, I record lots of different ponds and uh, and rivers because we're in a, a, the land of three rivers. We've got lots of good locations for that kind of recording and record all sorts of stuff in them you can record the sounds of the environment itself or so the wind going across the water or the, the, the waves themselves but you can also capture a lot of biotic sounds so the sounds of fish and the sounds of crustaceans and mollusks and even uh, recently discovered that plants make a lot of sound underwater as well Yeah, well, seascapes. Well, the first thing I did was I joined the the, the beach rangers, which is a seascapes and and um, Wildlife Trust project where we were listening to to the rock pools down at Roka, at Parsons Rocks actually. And we yeah we took a we went out and listened to this the environment, and then we took the hydrophones out and took a listen inside the rock pools as well. And we again it it's a, a different soundscape again in rock pools because you get you've always got the constant roar of the of the ocean of the North sea in the case of Parsons rocks just kind of filtering through through the landscape and through the rock pools so you've always got the kind of roar underneath but then there's lots of little fizzles and pops and things which turn out to be in in the case when we were down there anyway it turned out to be limpets so. As the tide's coming in, they loosen themselves from the from the rock from their position, so they're getting ready to go and feed, and they make a kind of fizzling and popping sound as they're as they're releasing themselves from the rock so yeah, we can kind of learn about the activities of creatures simply by listening, really. There's not a lot of research about these the sounds in these environments, so often you're going out and it's kind of serendipitous. What you're going to discover, but that's kind of part of the the kind of the enjoyment as well, I guess, is is going out and putting the hydrophone in the water and putting the headphones on and then just waiting for stuff to, to happen. And often, well, sometimes it's straight away. Sometimes it's kind of a, a cacophony of of different rhythms and pulses and zips and fizzers and things. Um, other times it's more slow. Yeah, you have to wait, wait a while but it's that that kind of intent kind of listening practice that, that I really I find quite relaxing
2: I think physical reality becomes distorted in certain, certain ways when you have your headphones on because you are focusing only on sound and, and you are taking away what's not around you When you start thinking about these sounds, it makes you think that what are what are the sea life, marine life and so on so hearing you know from the man made sounds? The more we sort of populate our seascapes, the more sound and I believe there is a crab i don't know which particular crab, but scientists have found that they are actually getting interference with the sounds that they're making, so I think that they're having troubles with issues like that, so sound to sea creatures must be interesting in sense of if you have a, a boat coming towards you and I remember we were on the pier and and when we had the sound down there was a gurgling sound and we couldn't quite work out whether it was sort of smashing against the wall and it was glugging it's like a, a, a guggle jug they're great I don't know when they were invented so when you when you pour the the jug it will go glug 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 and that was the sound we're hearing but then suddenly as you focus you could quite clearly hear a boat sound at quite a distance away and then when you looked for that boat I mean it was it was like a little speck on the horizon so suddenly you you are again reflecting your what you're doing to the environment around you so uh, part of that sort of interaction with the hydrophones and just looking around was that
0: So all of the different projects have explored different ways of connecting with perspectives that are not human, that are more than human. And I think Be The Sea has done that in a really sophisticated way and and absolutely has kind of unearthed, for people who've participated in the project, lots of ways of connecting with the realities of what it might be like as a fish in water when there is a boat that's kind of deafening passing by you. It kind of gives you a sense of, it affects you in a way, I think, that you probably wouldn't have considered had you not participated in some of the exercises that Louise and Hayley and Dee have been kind of facilitating. This notion of deep listening, again, is is a kind of a, a developing idea that they've really ran with and just offered a really accessible opportunity for people to connect through sound.
2: I am, I'm totally convinced now that if I hadn't done the course, I don't think I would be thinking about the sound pollution. I'm still thinking about the plastics. I'm still thinking about how to keep our coastline really beautiful, because it is a beautiful coastline. And I think it's totally underestimated, particularly our, our ones along Sunderland. I don't think there is enough involvement or care given to it. I know there is some. but it's celebrated, summer's coming, kind of get everyone involved in it because it's gives so much back. I think there was a, a saying that um, uh, when you look at the sea, how much does it give back to you? And I think the sea gives back so much to all of us in one way or another. It becomes a, a duty, I think. It should become a duty for us to do something back for it, really. What it makes me kind of think about is the 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 more you we populate this this area with sounds with boats like jet skis to so and so what are we really truly doing to that environment i don't think we can see the pollution that's going around in oils and so and so but we're not really thinking about sound
1: Some of the research that Haley and I have been looking into alongside the work that we're doing has shown, you know, there's a, there's a lot of research out there that shows the effects of noise pollution on, on different species. Noise pollution has actually been found to change the properties of the shore crab's shells. Shore crabs can normally camouflage themselves, their shells actually change colour, but the, the, their ability to do that is being lost, and this is believed to be through uh, noise pollution it's actually preventing them from being able to camouflage themselves sufficiently for predators. So we're learning all these kinds of things through these new methods, which enables other people to have a greater awareness of the kind of problems that human pollution causes and not just beach litter pollution, but other forms of pollution, noise pollution.
2: I kind of like that idea where we're not just harking on about we've got to do this we've got to save this it's actually let's do it in a creative way let's kind of be in balance of our nature and like the project says be the sea you know it's quite a crazy thing to think about but actually it's not it's quite easy once you sort of get your head into it you know we are not separate to the rest of the world we are really truly are part of everything we're just a part of that link it's And if making music, making risographs, you know, it's great because you are getting closer and closer to being part of it rather than further and further away with it. sort of playing around with sounds and how you could turn that music because it is about be the sea you know how, how, how are we going to communicate in the sea so we made a lot of sort of uh, music sounds and footsteps and so, and so so that was really great fun hearing people's ideas of how that sound is transferred to different rhythms and people I mean they were really different you know, compared to each individual that did it, you heard some really crazy stuff. You would go, wow, that's pretty, pretty out there. And that was like, oh, I like that rhythm. You got that. You know, you, they got that going with the, a, a sound from the wave or a rock. So it just becomes really creative, you know? And uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed a lot of that. But, um, you know, you heard the sounds and then you heard the interpretations of how this is. And I just thought, wow, how beautiful, how beautiful are we making this into? We're we're making it as creative. We're not getting into that. It is a serious subject, the environment and the marine life that we're doing, but we're actually taking it as a creative force and inspiring people to come and have a look at it.
3: As part of a commission I was doing for Sound and Music and Sunderland Culture, I decided to to put an installation together, that was based on underwater sounds recorded from the Sunderland region, and so there are these pods down at Roker, and I thought they'd be a great uh, space to to ins- to put a sound installation. So in one of them, I have these underwater sounds I've recorded in Sunderland over the last nine months. Um, I've, I've kind of put them together into a short installation piece, which will be in one of the pods, and in the other pod is a I've been working with a an improvising jazz trio and they've interpreted the the sounds and so we've got this kind of dialogue between the, the two pods we've got one pod that has the field recordings in their raw state and we have the other pod which has the kind of human interpretation of, of those sounds as a means of trying to forge this kind of connection between humans and non-humans a field of, called bioacoustics, which is a bit more of a scientific uh, um, approach, I guess, and actually more more to do with matching species to the sounds of species. So similarly to an ornithology, you know, we can identify birds by listening, and we can also identify, yeah, many many terrestrial animals by by listening alone. But the identification within water is still pretty. Um, Uncharted territory. So there's not a lot. Again, as I said, there's not a lot of documentation about that. Just by being there, you can see. Well, first of all, actually, I recorded a lot of invertebrates, and some of them are pretty. It's it's well known that they make sounds. In fact, some some of the loudest creatures in the world actually live in, in in common ponds all across the world. The water boatmen. And it's one of the the loudest creatures for its size so you know i could be pretty sure that i was recording those but then there are lots of other sounds going along as well and you know from being there you know you can see that when when we sometimes you can physically see the bubbles coming from the plants anyway but that you know they the, the, they they have a particular kind of rhythmic kind of popping and fizzing and that's the sound of the uh, of them oxygenating the water essentially but I suppose what the, the, the interesting thing is that you're not really sure. The, 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 those environments are pretty undocumented. So try out to get a more set idea of, of, what, the, of what you're recording is, is a bit more haphazard, I guess, because they haven't been documented. But it's not so much about the documentation for me. It's about the experience of being there and having the feeling and the sense that there's stuff alive underneath the water that we're just not really privy to. Well by far my favourite set of recordings were from the uh, trip to the Outer Hebrides and we spent, I was uh, on board a citizen science trip and we were pretty much at sea for for a full ten days and so we, we just dropped anchor each night and then set off again in the morning. And one evening near Mingali as we were sleeping in our in 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 our cabins, I I'd, I had my hydrophones, had you know dropped over the side of the, of the boat, and managed to record the sounds of of grey seals all swimming underneath underneath the water, um, all around the boat. <laughs> I hadn't realized because they make a distinctive howling when they're on the shore. They do this in, in, yeah, especially in popping season. But the, I didn't realize that they made so many vocalizations under the water as well. So I've got sort of 12 hours of almost constant vocalizations from all these seals, which is definitely my, my favorite bunch of recordings.
1: We're currently in the process of mapping out what we want to do next with the project, which we're really excited about too. So we're basically the, the first section of this first phase of the project that we've just been through has been amazing in helping us to establish what we think we can do and so now we're going to take that to, to different locations along the coast and see what we can discover by, by moving to different locations along the coast and working with different audience groups so we're really excited about that and we're also looking to produce a, a publication of the instructions for listening so they are currently available on the B the C web page which is on my website at the moment but we will be rolling that out into a a physical printed publication that Durham Wildlife Trust can have and hopefully a a larger online sort of repository for all of our instructions for listening in the next phase of the project so we're really excited about that too.
0: So some of the things that I was really surprised and inspired by, I think, was the rigour and, you know, enthusiasm and excitement that um, the, the partners generated as they kind of ideated different ways of trying to connect with coastal communities and the kinds of communities that they want to connect with. We've been
1: working with Durham Wildlife Trust and they've helped us to build our participants for the project. And we've worked with a group called the Beach Rangers, which is a group of teenagers who are interested in working at the coast and with marine life. And we've also worked with the wider Durham Wildlife Trust sort of community which falls under part of a programme called Northern Explorers so those have been people who are just interested in the work of Durham Wildlife Trust and might want to get involved in a more active way with sound. And then we've also engaged with students at Sunderland University who have become involved in the project because Hayley is a composer and also a lecturer at Sunderland University. And yes, yeah, so that, those are kind of the, the main groups that we've had involved in the project so far.
3: I guess the central message is that these are small and unheard beings in a in connected ecosystem, and trying to give them a voice, giving quiet things a, a platform, not only to be heard, but to actually be listened to. That's, that's kind of central to environmental art practice.
2: I just just want everyone to get involved get involved with the seascapes and see what you can do for our beautiful coast and most of all most of all enjoy get out there and enjoy it even if you don't want to get involved into the environmental thing at least go out there and really enjoy it don't waste the time you have now by not going to the coast